Welcome to Conversations with I Follow the Leader, made possible by I Follow the Leader, LLC. I am your host, Antonetta Mosley. I'm the CEO and Principal Leader at I Follow the Leader and a Certified Diversity Professional. I founded the firm in 2016 because I believe the historical prototype of what a successful leader looks like needs to change. We help leaders and organizations thrive and reach their highest potential. This is a place where those of a different feather can soar together. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday. I am so excited. I know I'm always excited, but I am really excited for episode 27 of Conversations with I Follow the Leader. We have a treat for you today. Today, I am going to be speaking with our special guest, Lucky Daniels. Lucky has such a wide range of experience and is also a certified diversity professional. Um, You may not hear a lot of that out there right now, that people are certified in diversity. So uh, her program is through Cornell. I'm certified in a different realm. And so you're really in for a treat to hear from two certified diversity professionals having a conversation that we need to have more often, and that is, can we talk inclusion? Can we talk inclusion? And so what we're going to do today is talk inclusion. We hear a lot about diversity, but we often don't hear a lot about inclusion. So when someone's in the room, how can they be included? And so Lucky's going to share insights about why talking about inclusion requires intentional skill building, openness, courage, and an abundance of patience. So I am going to bring Lucky on. Hello, Lucky. Good morning. The big P, patience, right? Yes. And I just want to welcome our audience to you. I've been able to get to know you over the last few months. Just, just love you, love your energy, love what you're about. And so I want to tell our audience a little more about your background. Lucky Daniels is a senior program manager with over 20 years of experience providing program and project leadership on software and product development, e-commerce, mobility, marketing, and social media initiatives. She has helped successfully launch innovative technology campaigns for many industry leaders, including the Coca-Cola Company, USPS, Walt Disney, and more. So, uh, that's a lot, Lucky. That that's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. I, you know, I, I. Now that I look back on it, you make me sound so good. Now that it was you not are. the plan, <laughs> it was just not the plan. Um, I spent all of my the first part of my career really trying to save Mother Earth and all of her children. Like that was my intention. Um, I'm a post civil rights kid. That I worked in the community. Um, I was very much a part of activism, social change, social justice in the community. Um, and I always said that I, I, I work with every leader that survived the movement. Um, and so that was my life. And then technology came along and um, 
someone said, you know, that skill set that you have, that management, that thing that you do, you can make a lot of money doing that in technology and you can be creative. And I thought, wow, okay, I'm going to jump ship. And Marion Wright Edelman, I was working for her um, with the Children's Defense Fund. And Marion said to me, a young Lucky, Lucky, you know, you can't just change your calling. And I go, oh, Marion, yes, I can. I can. I'm out. I, you know, I, I know everything. And Marion was right. You cannot. And so even though I moved into technology, I still carried with me that work and have continued to do the work in the community around equity for really now the past, like you said, 20 years. So it's been a fun ride. Thank you. And you're you're already dropping gems and we haven't even gotten started. So you can't change your calling, how powerful, and that you work with every leader that survives the movement. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today because we've been able to talk about that. Just unfortunately, the harm that many people experience from being a part of transformation, from being a part of change movements. And so I'm really excited to dig in. Uh, for those who are watching, please let us know in the chat where you're watching from. Uh, we have so many people that watch later. So if you're watching this later, we would still love to engage with you. Please put in the chat, where are you watching from today? How are you doing today? How are you feeling, right? This is going to be a courageous conversation. And the goal is that in five years, right, these conversations will no longer be courageous, but will be commonplace. And so that is our goal at I Follow the Leader. And so we're just going to have the conversations that many people want to have in the workplace but are scared to. So Lucky, tell me a little more about why inclusion? Why is that a focus of yours? Well, I think it's because inclusion often gets bundled in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so people assume that it's all inclusive, that if we're diverse, that means we are providing and affording equity and that our diverse in workplace, our diverse population is also included and nothing can be further from the truth. They all stand in their own light. They all have their own need. And so even if in the workplace, if an organization is diverse, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's inclusive. Um, and oftentimes for marginalized populations who are inside of a workplace, they are witnesses to the culture and sometimes participants in a less than authentic, I can show up as myself way. So we're not really included. The more often, the more we assimilate, the more we feel included, but the more authentic we are, the more authentic our voice is, the less we feel included. And for the majority, everything is normal. Everything is fine, right? But for those who are witnessing and experiencing this experience, it's the complete opposite. It's the complete opposite. I, I love that distinction because we do have to acknowledge that people are having different experiences in the same workplaces, in the same communities, in the same country. Exactly. Um, and and how, how would you recommend those in the majority 
what what can they do to realize the, the plights or the feelings or what others are going through? Well, th the truth is, if you're a person of color, you are often a SME, right? We've worked in majority environments. We live in our skin and at the intersections of being black or male or female. Uh, this is where we sit. And so we become subject matter experts on how to read a room, on how to read character, on how to read you know, conversations, on how to navigate around microaggressions, on how to take a pause and not speak you know, for a moment to react. So we are actually SMEs in the room. And I think we often believe that everyone else in the room is a SME on culture. And that it's easy for us because this is our experience um, it's, it's often easier for us to have this conversation about being inclusive or about feeling left out of the group. Um, however, for the person who doesn't see through our lens, for the peer who doesn't walk in our shoes, for them, that is not normal or that is their norm. And then for our experience, it could be something that depending on what their circle looks like, what their community looks like, what their upbringing looks like. It could be that they've never even sat in a room with people who look like us. They don't know how to have this conversation. And if we're being honest, it's a scary conversation. You know, it's easy for me to say it, but when I say it to someone else, the, the fear strikes. And so we have to really understand from a place of empathy that, not everyone has our experience and our level of understanding. And so there's a, a requirement of really cultural competency to be able to build the foundation to have a conversation that's about change. You know, it would be great if we could just come to the table, talk inclusion, talk equity, and everyone was aligned. That would be ideal. And like you said, in five years, that's the goal, right? That these conversations are common and not courageous. That's not where we are today. And what we have to recognize is that many of our peers and our leaders in the workplace don't have the skill set yet to be able to have a conversation that moves us to change. And that's that's actually where we have to start building that skill set. I love that because without the skill set, without the toolbox. Where, where do people go? And so I think it's important to acknowledge and something I say is who was taught this in school, right? It was only when I worked um, with psychiatrists and behavioral health specialists and became certified, right? And then did a lot of social psychology that I really started to learn about human behavior and, and different personalities. And so I wanna now dig deeper into the skill set the tools yeah. that people need, because hopefully if you're watching today, you are listening, you are willing to develop some new skills. And so some of the things you've talked about, Lucky, are openness, courage, patience, um, and just the intentionality of building those skills. So can you go a little deeper into, right, if we think of today having a toolbox and just starting to fill our toolbox to have these conversations? I, I always equate it when I'm speaking to people, I always equate it to, I'm a, I'm a project manager. I'm, a, I'm a, a project manager, program manager. And when you start out 
in my in my lane, right? You have to build your toolbox. You have to build your toolkit. There's a methodology. There's a framework. There's a language, right? Um, we have. Um, principles like learn lessons and retrospectives where we talk about the experiences and we identify what we got right, what could have gone better, what we need to change. And so we begin building this very diverse toolbox that involves how we communicate and how we document, how we manage budgets, how we work through crisis, how we identify gaps. Like we're building all throughout our career. We're building so that when you engage me as a project manager, I'm equipped to come in and execute your project. DEI is exactly the same way. Having a conversation around inclusion is exactly the same way. You need building blocks. Right. And once you begin to build and, and to kind of garner those building blocks, then you can begin to have those conversations. And so it isn't, I think many times people expect there to be one, a one-stop shop, right? That it, everything, I'm going to know DEI everything. I'm going to be an expert. Um, they also have the expectation that everybody is going to see it the same way. We all are going to be aligned. So there's this magical way that we're all with these different experiences are going to view this particular experience the same way. That isn't the case. So there may be an environment where you really need to rely on communication. There may be an environment where you need to rely on de-escalation. There may be an environment where you need to understand how to be supported by allies. There may be an environment where um, the bias or the exclusion or the lack of equity presents itself in documentation or events that we participate in. Um, and so you're going to need that very diverse toolkit to know what to pull out of your toolbox to help in any given situation. And I think that's the start because once that begins, then you become, your eyes open, your lens changes, you have a shift. And then you're able to begin seeing things the way that Lucky might experience them or Antonetta might experience them. But you have to actually build that. And I think, honestly, many people believe that they already have it when they don't. And that's the danger. That's that, the trouble. That, that's so great. I love it. And, and I think danger is, is accurate. Absolutely. That, yeah, that can be extremely harmful. Um, and so I, I think that's important to realize it is dangerous to, to make assumptions, to think that we all have the knowledge, because of course, as implicit bias shows, there are things within us that we have not addressed yet. Yes, yes. Think about it as um, when when we talk inclusion, oftentimes people who haven't had our experiences believe if we're nice, I'm nice to you. That makes me inclusive. Or um, I share a joke with you. That makes me inclusive. So they may, in a workplace, they may not recognize the fact that there are no leaders who look like me as not being inclusive, right? Or I, I had I had a, a coworker once share with me that she attended an event with um, our colleagues and she was at the event and she's a brown woman and she was at the event and it was a social event and lots of fun. And she said, one of, one of our peers said, isn't it amazing? Most of us have blue eyes. Isn't 
isn't that ironic? And she just thought that that was so ironic and so funny that everyone in the group had blue eyes, but not everyone in the group had blue eyes. And did she know that she offended our coworker? No, she didn't. But because this is not her lens and because we don't naturally have these conversations, it happened and it happens often. It happens often. That is so important for those who may not recognize that these things are going on around them. I think that's such an important point. It happens often. The story Lucky gave, uh, I'll give a brief one. I remember I was pretty new to an organization once and somebody was uh, moving on past the organization and they looked like me. And it was, oh, sometimes I couldn't recognize you because how often my. you changed your hairstyle. This was in the, the going away speech. Oh, my. And so what does that signal to oh, me? Oh, my. <laughs> as, a, as a new Black woman coming in, right, this is in your going away speech. And, and so it's so important. And we were even talking, we talk all the time, but we were talking before the call about just the damage that can be done and that others are watching. And unfortunately, as leaders, and we've highlighted a lot right, about leaders today, as leaders, you are being watched and you are modeling behavior for others. So for me to see a leader... Yes. Say this comment. Yes. What does that signal? Right. And not for anyone to feel comfortable to say, whoa, whoa, no, no, no. That, you know, we don't want to make that joke. And yes. so if a joke like that or a comment lands and everyone's uncomfortable, but nothing gets said. That's like you said, you know, the building the blocks. Unfortunately, that's building blocks too of what your culture is, even if they're negative building blocks. Yes. And that's why having inclusive leadership is essential because yes. in essence, the leader is giving, granting permission to not be conscientious. The leader is granting permission just by his, her, or their behavior. Yes. in not being inclusive, in in not looking at the implicit bias in that particular comment. So that's why inclusive leadership is so vital. That's why where we sit at the table, where we stand in the room yes. is so important because oftentimes we're not in the room, we're not having, we're not involved in those conversations. And so our leaders don't understand the lens that we look through. So even when they're planning an event or they're planning professional development or yes. <laughs> they're working on team building or all of these pieces, um, depending on what their cultural competency is, right? It yeah. may be a factor that supports you or it may be a factor that hinders you. So they're all building blocks. But but the I guess the distinction is, will they yeah. be positive or will they be detrimental? And yes. we've been talking about just the fact of the trauma that we experience often while we're in those rooms. And I think yes. even for me as a professional, I have always, I spent my career really looking at the conversation that I'm having with leadership. 
and looking at the conversation that I'm having with teams and I'm working with teams to build their competencies. And I think often, even for me as someone who does this work and have been doing it forever, I have forgotten about the trauma that happens to the person who's actually impacted. That's yes. what the person who is really sitting there and experiencing this on a day to day, year after year, what that trauma looks like. And I think that's why having courageous conversations shouldn't only be had with leaders, they need right. to be had with people who are impacted and experiencing um, th these experiences in the workplace. Because often we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. We don't know how to react. We oftentimes fear that if we speak up, we'll lose our jobs. Or yes. if we speak up, we'll stand out. Um, there will be retaliation. It will impact our livelihoods, our, our ability to be promoted. So there's all of this baggage that comes with these encounters. And they, they just kind of stack and layer on top of one another. And I don't, I, my hope is that Yes, we need to be a part of change management. We need to be a part of organizational uh, organization transformation, but we also need to be um, a part of our work is about empowerment and about informing and knowledge sharing and being able to equip people who are experiencing um, bias or the lack of equity or the lack of inclusion in the workplace with their own toolkit to be able to navigate those environments. So powerful. And I love that knowledge sharing. And for those who may be on and say, I don't know what cultural competency is. I pulled up some definitions and feel free to go to ifollowtheleader.com slash definitions if you want to learn more. Um, and, and there's a lot of different definitions, but just the ability to understand, appreciate, and interact with people from cultures or belief systems different from one's own. And I love the appreciation part of this definition because can you celebrate and appreciate someone who looks differently? Can you celebrate and appreciate a leader who is different probably than most of the leaders you've seen your whole life? If we're honest, when we've done polls, Lucky, most people haven't had a boss that looks like us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, and, and, and I'm looking forward to the day when that's the norm. You know, just recently I was, I joined a conference call, right, um, with a new business partner and who's planning and helping with an acquisition and merger of another company that I represent. Mm. And I joined the call and everyone on the call was a person of color. And we're all, this is the work that we do. This is our lane. We're professionals and we're having this conversation. And it took me a minute to get over my shock that I've never seen this before. And I, so then it made me want to share it with my colleagues and my friends and my, and my, and my circle to say that this is how diverse, this is what diversity in the workplace looks like. This is what inclusion looks like. And the day that that is normal, that that's common, that that's expected, that we should be able to come to the table with our skill sets and contribute to the whole, that's the day that I'm working for. Because it's, it's an amazing thing, right? It removes the need to have a conversation and to inform you about how I'm not included if I'm on a call where we're all included, where we're all contributing, where we all bring value. 
that's that for me is the goal. That, yeah, that. I love that. I love that. And anyone who's watching, um, please feel free to put questions in the chat. Uh, we may not get to them, all of them, because we're coming up on time, but would love to know, has this resonated with you? Are there any questions you have? Uh, would really love to know. And I saw um, in the chat, my, my auntie Gloria is, is on. So hello. And, and I just am so grateful to have had so many role models in, in women in my family who have forged the path. And right, it's now our generation's turn to really lead, leave a legacy and to take that torch, right? Uh, 20 to 30 years ago, women and people in underrepresented groups were not given the same opportunity. And so we're in rooms more, but as Lucky shared earlier, are you given a voice when you're at the table? Where are you sitting? Where are you positioned? How are you respected? Are you included in the conversations that happen after the meeting or before yes. the meeting? Yes. Are we seen, right? Are, are we really seen? Because I think for me, many times my peers feel that they can show up in the workplace and be their authentic self. They can bring their whole self to the workplace and it's accepted. And then Lucky is able to bring 40% of herself on some days, maybe if I'm really good, 60% of myself, um, oftentimes 20% of my authentic self. And so, yes, I'm in the room. You know, I, I'm, I always remind people that I work to get here. Like that's, you know, I'm at the, in a, a black female in technology for 20 years, like, you know, nothing was handed to us. We had to work and show up in these rooms. And I'm always very mindful of that. When we, we show up, how do we show up? Are we able to have a voice? And are we able at this juncture to be courageous? Because when that voice is denied, we have to be able to stand in the shoes of those who we follow. Right. I wish that the work was done. I wish that we didn't have to have these conversations. I wish every conference call for Lucky was exactly like the one I had last week, where everyone is just comfortable in their skin. They're doing their work. They're contributing. And it's not a big deal that we're diverse. That's where we're working towards. But until we get there, we have to continue to have these conversations. Right. And show up because unless we do that 20 years from now, our kids, our grandkids will still be standing in that room and feel invisible. And we just, we just cannot allow that to happen. No, I, I agree. We, we really cannot. We're, we're still seeing so many firsts and each time is so beautiful, but we don't want to continue to see so many firsts because that means a lot of people, again, have never had someone who looks like us in that role. We're seeing it play out um, at a national level right yes, now in the United yes, States. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. We're watching Katanji and, and you know, I, I was watching her cry tears um, yes. being affirmed by Cory Cory Booker yes. and um, being seen and being validated. And when you think of the seat that she will hold and the fact that even at that level, our credentials are questioned, even at that level, we're dismissed, we're diminished. Like the fact that we all can watch her experience and all identify with her experience, not once, 
but numerous times throughout our career. It's like that's familiar for us. We needed to not be familiar. That's that's what we need to do. Even even as people say um, her composure and her resolve and and her and her perseverance. Why do we continue to have to persevere? The resolve. Why do we continue to have to be so resolved? We need to be seen and heard and appreciated for what we bring to the table. That's it. That's, That's it. The yeah. I love it. I love it. Lucky, this was so important. And, and I want to, you know, reiterate, this is one conversation. And so what I really urge you to do is to have these conversations, right? Go to lunch with someone who you have nothing in common with. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Get on a Zoom call, right? Get to know people who have nothing maybe to offer you in your mind. And so thank you, Lucky. This is such so important. I really want to tell people, connect with Lucky, right? Because a lot of times what happens in organizations is people don't have the toolkit and the skills that Lucky described. And so we really caution teams on just jumping in if they don't have the skills to facilitate these types of conversations. Bring in an expert, bring in a subject matter expert like Lucky who has experience, has the tools and can help you get to where you need to go. So I just want to let people know you can do more harm than good. So don't, you know, don't just jump in without really having that toolkit. And so Lucky, I just want to pass it over to you to see if you have any final thoughts for those watching and listening about why, why do we need to talk inclusion? We need to talk inclusion until we're included, just as we do equity, just as we do diversity. And if we check, if our organizations and our communities check one or two boxes, they still need to move forward and add another. And so having the conversations, irregardless of which side of this lens you step in to, which side that you peer through, is essential for moving the collective forward. Just moving the collective forward. So my goal, as you know, I started a blog um, and it's Can We Talk Inclusion today, dot today, because I wanna continue having conversations about what people are experiencing. I wanna continue sharing what I've experienced across my 22 year career, what the, the people in my circle experience, um, because I think there's a lot to learn from each other I think that's one of the reasons why I love chatting with you is that I'm always laughing. Um, I'm always, you know, uh, receiving information in a different lens because of the work you through, do with I Follow the Leader. And I think that's where the build is because this work can also be very heavy and we have to be able to support one another as we're creating change out in the world. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank um, you. This has been a blast. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, everyone, thank Lucky. Be sure to engage with her. Lucky, it was so amazing to have you on today. Thank you, Antonetta. I appreciate you, dear. Thank you. That was amazing. Episode 27 of Conversations with I Follow the Leader, Can We Talk Inclusion? And one of Lucky's closing thoughts were, we need to talk inclusion until we're included. 
That is so beautiful. And so I want to encourage you all connect with Lucky on LinkedIn. Her information will be here. Or if you're listening to the podcast, it will be in the show notes. So please connect with Lucky on social media. Also, she shared her blog site. Please, please, please learn from her, learn from her experiences and those in her network. Can we talk inclusion dot today? And something that Lucky hinted on that I want to encourage you because we want to take these conversations and then use them into action. And so I want to remind you today that courage does not equal comfort. Courage does not equal comfort. And so what we talked about today, this may be hard for you to do, but I really want to encourage you to do the uncomfortable because courage is a choice. These conversations are a choice to have them. And so, so thankful for Lucky for coming on. This was episode 27 of Can We Talk Inclusion? If you or your team needs support with this, please feel free to reach out to us at ifollowtheleader.com. We can help you have more courageous conversations so that you don't just have a diverse workplace because right, every workplace is diverse in, in different ways. And so we really want to lead to equitable practices and a place where everyone can feel included. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations with I Follow the Leader. We appreciate you. Be sure to subscribe to receive new episode alerts. To learn more about the firm, go to ifollowtheleader.com. I also want to encourage you, whether you're a change agent or leader, you can be a part of the solution. Now let's go make a positive impact and push the pace of progress. The world needs us.